The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall. Josh has a vacation today, so I am joined by Joel, as always. Uh, we will be joined by Alec Lewis here very shortly. Joel, how is your Monday going? It's been a Monday, so I'm very glad that I have this to wipe off, wipe off the stink of a, a normal normal Monday. The Royals got boat raced. I thought, hey, the Royals are playing it's a nice matinee. Maybe they'll come out and show out. Carlos Hernandez looked great for four innings. And then Mike Matheny left him to the Wolves in the fifth inning, and he's to give up six runs. So that was awesome. Um, but, yeah, it was a, definitely a Monday. Yeah. I mean, you have Baltimore, who I don't think is trying to win yet, and they took two out of three against the Royals, who are trying to win. Say they're trying to win. They say they're trying to win. I don't believe they, them. The, but they say some of these li- some of these lineup cards they're rolling out tells me otherwise. The original cleanup hitter today, Carlos Santana, would have been batting. He's like what 083? somewhere Ryan, around there. Yeah. Ryan O'Hearn is was batting under hundred before the game started. So With a, no matter who they were going to run out there at cleanup, their first baseman, who's also their cleanup hitter, was going to be batting under hundred. That is impressive. That is really hard to do. Um, I mean, it's it's hard enough to have a negative way to run to create a plus. Ryan O'Hearn has managed to do that. And with his hit today, I'm pretty sure he went from a negative 10 to probably right around negative five. So so he's still 105% worse than league average, still getting big league run every day. But then again, with an RBI single in the first inning, he probably bought himself another week in that cleanup spot. Yeah, that is, um, that's outstanding. It's, It's great managing. It's great coaching. I, I love that Ryan O'Hearn is still getting every day at bats. So um, really quickly, before we get into the minor league minute, uh, here's a quick shout-out to our sponsor, KCSC, for picking up the show this year. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business – and the employees are all on the same page. You know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. Big thanks to KCSE, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, for picking up the show this year out there at home field in Olathe. If you've got a, a child, baseball, softball of all ages, get them out there, get them training, get them right. So really quick, Joel, we are going to do the minor league minute, just like we did last week, where I am going to blitz through it. We will stop for pitchers and players of the week. We'll talk about our MVP, and then we are going to get Alec in here um, in the next 10 minutes. So really quickly, uh, down in Columbia, Columbia has been a very interesting group to watch this year. They have an extremely high ceiling. They have an incredibly low floor. They play some great baseball. They play some horrific baseball. They make a ton of errors. They steal a ton of bases. Uh, they hit some home runs. 
Edgar Martinez, who is Joel's player of the week, not that Edgar Martinez, granted, uh, a different Edgar Martinez playing down in low A for the Royals. Uh, we'll get to in just a second. I wrote about Carter Jensen in the minor league minutes this year. Carter Jensen is having some of the worst luck I have ever seen from a prospect in the early going. It reminds me a lot, and I've tweeted this before, of what Vinny Pasquantino was going through at high A to begin last year, hitting the ball hard, walking, not striking out too much, and just having a, a run of bad luck. His BABIP is 189. He's one of five players in all of low A to have a BABIP under 200. He is 18. The average player in that league is 21. The average pitcher, the average pitcher is 22 years old. He is still 18, competing against uh, players much older than he is. So Carter Jensen's having a, a rough go, but I expect him to snap out of it. I, I am not concerned at all with Carter Jensen. I am concerned with Eric Pena. He is addicted to striking out right now. I don't really know what the issues are there. It's a terrible approach. It's it's There's almost no approach. And so that's one thing that the Royals are going to have to work with Eric Pena on is you don't have to swing every pitch. You can be selective. You can be picky in certain counts. Here's when you can be picky. Here's when you need to be more aggressive. But Eric Pena, not good in the early going. Luinda Avila had another great start. Five innings, five Ks, one or two. I got it right here. Uh, one earned runs, five Ks, and five innings. That kid continues to impress me. He continues to do a lot of good things, even though he's not the most prolific pitching prospect in the world. Columbia not having the best go of things. They did win on Sunday to move their record to 10 and 17. Uh, up in Quad Cities, Quad Cities continues to be hit or miss. They only scored more than three runs once in their entire series against Cedar Rapids. They did win two games. They're 11 and 16 now. Uh, they lost one to two on Sunday. Cam. Williams now leads the organization in home runs with six. He is tied with Vinny with six home runs to lead the organization. He is also striking out in literally 50% of his plate appearances. So very much hit or miss for Cam Williams. Don't know what to make of that, except that Sully Matias is in awe of how Cam Williams is hitting the ball so far this year. Peyton Wilson's been hitting well. Luca Tresh has the best weighted runs created plus in the entire Royals minor league system. He, his OPS, the raw numbers aren't there, but he's playing in a league where there's not a lot of offense right now. So his strikeouts are up, but his overall offensive production is statistically the best in the entire system compared to the league he is in. Christian Chamberlain continues to strike out the world. He has one of the best K rates in the entire minor league system. He's being used mostly as a, as a long reliever now, so he's not starting throwing like bulk, but he is throwing two innings, three innings at a time striking out the world. Christian Chamberlain looks very impressive. Northwest Arkansas got their record above 500. They are 14 and 13 with a nine to five win on Sunday. Joel, they actually stole a save opportunity from your guy. Jeffrey Del Rosario would have been another couple of points in the RFR fantasy league. They scored four in the ninth, took the save opportunity right out of his hands. So Jeffrey Del Rosario did not get a save, but he now has the second best ERA in the system. 1.77, not, the best FIP, his FIP is like four points higher than his ERA, but getting the job done when it matters in a relief role. Michael Garcia, Nick Lofton, Michael Massey, Robbie Glendening, Nate Eaton, Tucker Bradley, all hitting. That lineup is hot. That lineup is dangerous when they're hot, and the pitching staff is coming around. Finally got a good start from Anthony Veneciano on Sunday, which is great to see. His command had been horrific in the early going, so really good to see Anthony Veneciano back at it. Up in Omaha, their record is also finally over 500, 15 and 14 for the Storm Chasers with a 4 to 3 win on Sunday. That is without Nick Prado, that's without MJ Melendez. They continue to play good baseball. The bullpen is nails. If you thought the big league bullpen was pretty good, wait until they start bringing guys up from Omaha. Foster Griffin, my pitcher of the week, two and a third innings pitched on Sunday, 3 Ks, no walks, no hits, no runs. In fact, Joel, Foster Griffin this week threw 4 innings he didn't give up a single hit, a single walk, a single hit by pitch, and he struck out four. Foster Griffin looks like the pitcher that we always thought he would be back in like 2016. He's starting to work his way through. He's not starting anymore, but he looks great in that relief role. Where's his, velo, where's his velo been? Have you seen? Right back to where it was, 89-93. Okay. So, I mean, he is literally back to exactly what he had been, That's throwing good. good sinkers at the bottom of the zone, mixing in his slider and changeup, being really effective out of the bullpen. So, 
really good to see as he works his way back from Tommy John. If you remember, Foster Griffin made his big league debut on his birthday, tore his UCL in that game, had Tommy John, and has not pitched in the big league since. I would imagine he is on their short list of guys to call up if an opportunity arises. He is no longer on the 40, though, so that would require a 40-man transaction to get him in the big league bullpen. But he's looked really good down there in Omaha. So has Colton Brewer, Jose Quas. So Foster Griffin is my pitcher of the week. My player of the week is Daryl Collins. Daryl Collins had a 120 weighted runs created plus this week. He continues to not hit for any power, but he did start to get his strikeout to walk ratio back on track. In six games in Columbia, he had six walks, just one strikeout. So his approach is back. His hit tools back. It's just a matter of finding ways to help Daryl Collins get some of that raw power that we know he has. We know it's in there. How do we get to it more frequently? I like the change they made, standing him up a little taller, creating some more leverage, but we'll see uh, how that plays through. Joel, go ahead and give us your pitcher and player of the week. All right, so my pitcher of the week is Drew Parrish. I know that's helping out uh, Josh a little bit in our fantasy league, but two really good starts this week against, uh, looks like we got uh, one against Amarillo and one against uh, Springfield. Uh, he went five innings, uh, four strikeouts, two or two earned runs, not too bad there. And then comes out on Saturday, seven shutty, only two hits and four strikeouts. He's never going to be a big strikeout guy, but just knows how to get dudes out, is able to mix and match it, his stuff really well. Uh, is able to pull the string really nicely on a changeup. Fastball is not overpowering, but it plays really well with his other stuff. A guy that we're we're a pretty big fan of here. And then you mentioned him a little bit ago, Edgar Martinez. Uh, if you can tell by my hoodie, if you're watching on YouTube, big Mariners guy. So uh, that's a pretty nice name to have if you're a ball player. Uh, over the last week, hitting 421 uh, with a 476 on base, one dot OPS. That's usually a pretty good sign. Not a ton of power there. Uh, only one home run, but put the bat on the ball a significant amount this week. Eight strikeouts isn't great, but you know I, I'm not too too concerned about him right now. I mean, he's 21 years old. I think this is his first year in full season ball. So, but there, but you know, 421 week that'll that'll help the confidence a little bit. Yes, it will. Speaking of a 421 week, Michael Massey this week hit 421 with a 500 on base and a 150 weighted runs created plus. Michael Massey is our weekly MVP. So. We've bounced around a bunch of hitters, haven't had a pitcher put together two really good starts yet to be deserving of MVP. So Michael Massey had uh, seven singles and a double, four walks, five strikeouts, a 421 average, and was really good defensively at second base, like always. So that is our minor league minute brought to you guys by Drum Farm. Drum Farm Center for Children is a foster care center off Lee Summit Road in Lee Summit, Missouri. It is right off the golf course. So you're probably, if you've been out there to the golf course, you've probably seen it. They have some incredible facilities for foster care families, a compass program for kids who have aged out of the foster care system. They do some of the best foster care work in the Kansas city area, as far as I'm aware. So drum farm picking up the minor league minute this year. Thank you very much to them and their supporters for sponsoring the minor league minute. That has been the minor league minute. All right. You ready to get to Alec? Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are now joined by Alec Lewis of The Athletic. Been doing some some really, some really good work over at The Athletic. If you're not subscribed to The Athletic, I don't know what you're doing, but go subscribe to The Athletic. Alec, I without blowing smoke up your ass too much, I appreciate the digging you do into the analytics, into the background of the of the inner workings of baseball instead of just focusing on the players and all the stuff we see every day, but trying to get to some of the stuff we don't get to see a lot of. So thank you for, for the work that you're doing. I, I enjoy reading it, and thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Please don't blow any more smoke. Uh, the yeah, entire Homer. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank Dayton you. Moore's mouthpiece. That is more like that is more uh, what I'm looking for. But no, it's. I mean, I'm people know in the organization and outside. I guess like I'm fascinated by figuring out why things are why they are, and I feel like I've long felt like if I'm doing this job and I want to do it the best I can, then I better know this stuff, or else I'm not giving myself the best chance to cover it the best way. So. That's the explanation. We can get back to my homerism. Um, but no, thank you guys for having me. Well, here's a chance for you to crap all over everything they're doing right out of the gate. Why is Ryan O'Hearn playing first base and not Vinny Pasquantino? Can't answer that. I cannot answer that question. Um, Vinny Pasquantino, I mean, I, I, it's it's interesting. I, I tweeted, I wrote last week that, I mean, look, if the Royals are trying to win this year, they should probably have the guys who can give them the best chance playing every day. I believe Vinny Pasquantino with his plate discipline in the minor leagues has proven uh, that, that it can translate to big league level. People say the pitching he's going to face is better. So we'll probably struggle. Yeah, that is, that is, that is how it goes. But with young guys, you kind of need that buffer zone, you need that time for them to get acclimated to the big league level. And then uh, you roll. And right now, I mean, I've got a column coming Tuesday morning, uh, whenever this runs, but it's like this, this team. And I felt like this for a long couple of years now, I guess, or a year. I don't know. Um, whenever I realized it, it's like they have one foot in the water of the present, one foot in the water of the future. Both are really cloudy, uh, right now. And it just, that's just where they're at. But Vinny Pasquantino is the future. I think when you're in a rebuild, you likely look toward the future. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't, there's, I don't, I don't have anything for you. I apologize. I mean, I said it on one Royal way last week that if you're, you know, you have the 30th ranked offense in baseball, you've scored two runs or less in nearly half your games, 12, 12 out of 26 games. Like, what do you have to lose bringing some of these guys up and just seeing what they have? If you really believe that the future is coming soon, then get some of those guys that are going to be on the next good Royals team in there. And I don't know, maybe it works. I mean, or maybe we're all stupid, but I don't know. I'd, I'd like to believe that some of these young guys are providing better at bats than we've seen from guys that have, that it's been well-established. They are not a part of the future. Yeah. I didn't expect, I mean, when they called up MJ Melendez, when they did, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought they would just go the traditional backup catcher route and bring up Sebastian Rivero. The numbers that MJ Melendez had weren't great. I know he's hitting into some hard luck and the weather has been abysmal uh, in Omaha. So, it, I mean, it made sense to me. It's like, we need hitting. We're not hitting. Let's provide – let's bring up somebody who can, can I don't know, showcase the type of a bat that's just different. I, I've, I've said this numerous times in stories. I've said it to people in the press box prior to the point where they're tired of hearing it. But when you watch some of these young guys take at bats, plate appearances, whatever you want to call them, it's a different thing. They're very selective. They, they go up there with a very distinct plan. Um, it's the way they were raised through this hitting development department and it showcases at the big league level. So I'm with you, Joel. I mean, at this point, um, you got a, a lot of guys who aren't going to be a part of the next championship winning team, whatever that may be, uh, struggling. Why not have the guys who are potentially going to be part of that potential championship winning team, uh, present. I say this in jest, I say it tongue in cheek. I'm being facetious. 
whatever else you need me to say to him to so that you know that I'm kidding. But I really believe, wink, wink, that part of it is they're afraid of making the veterans look bad. MJ Melendez has come up and had the best played appearances in the lineup for the la- for all three games he's played in. If they bring up Vinny Pasquantino and he puts up marked better improvements or better played appearances than the guys that are already there, Drew Saylor is going to look way better than Terry Bradshaw. The kids are going to look way better than the veterans. Maybe they're just afraid he'll make everybody else look bad. I know you're being facetious there. I'm trying to think of a way to to, to move forward from that. But, I mean, look, I mean, they talk, they've talked about wanting to win and winning for so, I mean, I, Joel rattled off the 30th in the league, 20. I've read so many numbers, 27th in the league, 28th in the league. My head hurts, honestly. If you talk about winning, you should probably have the best, smartest, most capable people present at the biggest stage. That's just how I feel. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of these games, probably too many for mental health purposes over the past few years. Um, it's just it's, – it, it's, it's just – it's puzzling at times. I mean, it really is. You hear again. I've heard. We've heard so much about wanting to win, um, about trying to win, about putting together a group that that is collaborative with veterans and everybody. They they want to win, no matter what type of player exists on this roster right now. There is frustration. There's frustration within the clubhouse from the player side. There's frust- frustration. Within the organization and certain people, there's frustration from agent. I mean, it's it's it is that type of situation right now. Um, so whatever you can do to give yourself the best chance at, at steering the ship on the path seems like the route that should be taken at this point. All right, you're you're here to talk about minor league baseball. So Hang on, let's shift we, the conversation we, away. Before we go, before we do that, I was literally about to say the same thing. I promise we can get away from this team. Last big league question. You don't have to answer it. Did it look to you like they quit in the sixth inning today? Um, after the fifth inning debacle. I mean, I, it looked to me like they're they're down five to the Orioles, and if you're not like malaise at that point, I mean, I don't know if they quit. I, I don't I don't know about that. I'm not trying to run from the question here. I, I'm just we could talk about effort. We could talk about all this stuff. Just the roster right now and where it sits is not. This is not a winning situation it's just not I don't I mean we knew going into this year they were running it back essentially with the same lineup plus Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. has been really good of late honestly I mean he's been leading off for crying out loud um but this is the same roster and guys continue guys who you expected to produce in this on this lineup are not and so we could again talk about effort talk about um, flip-flop in the lineup, talk about giving Witt a day off, even though they, they were just off for like three days. We could, we could do all this, but the roster was constructed the way it, it sits right now. And that to me is more than anything else where I just, I think that's the situation. It's, it's just not that puzzling, not that surprising. So like, well, let, well, now we can be done talking about the big league club, at least for the time. Yeah, you got and me I, worked you, up. I, I mean, I, I, it is what hey, it man, is. I, but. I, I don't envy you. You're you're a journalist having to cover a nine and seventeen baseball team that was supposed to be semi decent. So I I don't I don't really envy good. you in that regard. At least they've been really good in the last few years, though. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we haven't seen any of the the top three 2021 draftees in Mazzucato, Kuderna, Panzini yet. Uh, we know they're down in Arizona getting ramped up and ready. I, I don't hate the the move of let it easing these guys into full season balls. There been any indication of when we could see them possibly in a move to Columbia at some point. Yeah, I think it'll happen uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, you said it, they, they've kept these guys in Arizona and I think they've, I mean, they want these guys to smell like uh, when, when they're going out there to compete, like we're going to attack this because we haven't competed in this type of way for so long. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the perfect strategy or not. We're going to find out. But it, it, it will be uh, soon enough. I'm, I'm very confident that they'll be in Columbia soon enough. Um, be interesting. You guys, I mean, you mentioned the, the errors that that team's had, and I've kind of followed that. I know they've been really young, but for those young guys, they, they, a porous defense isn't probably the most ideal. But I, I do think you'll see, you'll see all of them very, very soon. And, and honestly, I've talked to scouts down in Arizona who have seen them pitch, and the reports have been good. I mean, I, I – I, 
Um, Frank Mazzucato, it sounded like, has looked good. Ben Kuderna, I think, has surprised some people, some scouts, opposing scouts, even in terms of just the, the type of stuff you guys know he has, but the velocity and that type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's, they were drafted last year. It would be interesting to see these guys in actual games uh, with uniforms that uh, aren't Royals surprise Arizona uh, style. Do you like, in theory, how they're handling this? Um, I mean, I don't know enough about like how other teams have have operated with their really young guys. I mean, I know they they focused a lot. The Royals have focused a lot with these guys on developing a changeup, throwing the changeup a lot in catch play. We'll see if that works out or not. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think you ever want to put a player of that age in a situation where they're just completely overmatched. And I, I don't think they will be at all. And I think if anything, I, I'd, I'd probably expect them to kind of overmatch some of the hitters because of how young that league is. But um, this is a, another one where I'm just not giving you a straight answer. I, I just don't really know enough about how other teams operate. Um, and I, I think I can understand it uh, for now until, I don't know, we, we look at it in hindsight and then, hear certain things or not but I I think I think they've really um just allowed these guys to do their thing get on their their program and uh take it slow and um I don't know I mean with the big league with the big league crop being where it is uh, there's just there's not really a rush in my opinion I mean these guys are 18 years old so well and and that's where I'm at and I was listening to and and no offense to Seren but I was listening to Seren Petro the other day speak negatively about the fact that none of these guys have debuted and respectfully I couldn't disagree more I love it because if you if you draft a prep arm I think what the Royals have done in the past is here's what we want you to do now go do it get out there on the mound and go do exactly what we want you to do and I think what they've done now is hey here's what you do well here's what we you can add to your arsenal Let's perfect it, get you bigger, get you stronger so that your body can uphold the workload of a regular season so that your body is big enough, strong enough to handle what we're going to ask you to do. And then when you're ready, we'll send you out there. It's like you said, there's no rush. The Royals have so many young arms, and it's not like a prep arm is going to go from high school to the big leagues in two, three years anyway. Don't rush it. We we have talked about this in group chats literally for years where have a pitching school. Draft high school kids, put them in pitching school, put them in the weight room, and don't let them on a mound until their bodies are ready for it. And I think they've done a, a bang-up job of adapting on the fly. I mean, look at Ben Hernandez. Ben Hernandez gets drafted, goes right to low A last year, and by all accounts and purposes, I mean, he's not been very good this year. His fastball is – it runs, but it's kind of like Brady Singer's with less life. It's just he's getting hit around a little bit. I like what they've done with these guys. Let's wait until they're ready, build them in a lab, and then when we think the final product is close to being ready to roll, unleash them on the league. And, you know, for, for an organization who we knock all the time about being able to develop prep arms, they are doing something that is drastically different than we've ever seen them do, and I applaud them for it. I applaud them for changing. And, and, I, and I've, I talk about this all the time on Twitter. I've, we talked about it. And we're talking about playing O'Hearn and Santana all the time. If it's not working, trying the same crap over and over again is the worst thing you can do. I don't care what the adjustment is, but try something different. And, and in my opinion, they've done that. And so, you know, I've listened to a few people be concerned about it. And it's the last thing I am is concerned. And so I didn't know if you'd heard anybody, you know, applaud them or say, hey, this is kind of, but I mean, I haven't heard from anybody who would know better a single negative word about how they've handled it so far. No, uh, me, me neither. And I, I guess, I mean, you mentioned some people, I think that's just people with organizational skepticism at this point where it's like, they drafted this guy, they're not winning. Let's, but I mean, the reality is to your point, I mean, they're 18 years old. They just finished, I mean, high school, um, their bodies. I mean, you, you've seen Frank Mazak. I've seen him up first in close. I mean, he's got a lot to, to grow. I think that project projection is part of the reason they selected him, but there's some elements of, of each of these guys. And I, I, I'll just take Frank Mazzucato. I mean, like his fastball carries in the zone. It's much different than 
a lot of the 2018 guys that they drafted in terms of their fastballs are kind of sinkerish, four seamish, and and aren't elite fastballs. And if you're if you're watching the game right now, you could look at a guy like Hunter Green who has a fairly elite fastball. Um, but if you're not locating, it, it, it takes both of those. But you, if you if you either have to have the elite piece, the elite movement on it, and locate it pretty well, or uh, if you don't have the elite movement, you got to locate unbelievably well, which is just incredibly difficult because the human body doesn't work that way. So um, I'm rambling, but I do think um, I, I think they've handled it totally, totally normal. And it sounds from all reports that I've had from a lot of people in inside and or outside the organization, those guys have progressed. Uh, I mean, I remember having a scout in the fall league telling me, uh, he's like, I saw these guys in high school, and a couple of them have change-ups that look better than they did when I saw them in high school. That was just a pretty easy observation. Um, but it'll be interesting to see once they get on the mound for sure what they look like, what their usages are, um, how they fare against the competition. I, it, it's something to watch, no doubt about it. I want to get back to the hitters here in a minute, but before we leave the pitchers uh, for now, do we have any updates on Asa Lacey? I know lots of people are asking – he leaves a start, or he he misses a start due to back tightness. hasn't pitched in a couple weeks. Do we do we? I've seen him videos of him playing catch. He's clearly with the club. They did have Angel Zerpa skip a start. It sounds like from everything I've seen that Angel Zerpa's okay. He threw a bullpen when he was supposed to start. Is this something that they've done on purpose, or is Asa Lacy injured, or do we do we know what's up with him? Zerpa, I don't know, um, and I, I'm just speaking totally honest there. Asa, I do know the situation. Um, and I, I'll write some of this. So I'm not going to probably give the full thing, but it, it was just a random like back spasm essentially that um, they couldn't pinpoint in terms of, it was nothing structural, nothing um, wild, but just popped up out of random. And, and I think was, was tough enough to where they did have a miss that start. That was going to be on TV against Jack lighter. Um, I think they've taken it fairly easy since because of, I mean, this is a guy that they, you just can't uh, test anything with, given how, how important he probably is to what they're trying to do. Um, I think he's going to be throwing soon, try to try to build up, and um, I guess they'll see how the back responds. But I think it was just a one-off. They went through um, the, the medical test. They went through just the, the what, it, what he'd done in days prior. Nothing had changed, and it was just kind of one of those things. And it's tough because it did look like um, – and I'd have to go back to really analyze it, but I, I'm pretty sure he started to kind of get in, into more of a rhythm um, in terms of just keeping the ball around the zone. And he doesn't have to be so pinpoint because his pitches are so elite. Um, but it seemed like he was getting a rhythm for kind of the first time since they drafted him in 2020. So for that to happen, not ideal. Um, I don't have a timetable for when he'll be back like in, in, on the mound, but I think they'll just monitor it. He should be throwing if not, he's if he's not already thrown, it should be pretty soon. We know Nate Webb had some stiffness. He'll be back in another month or two. And then Will Klein is the other guy we haven't seen yet from shin splints. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the average person would hear that and go, shin splints, are you kidding me? But the amount of drive and recoil that you get out of your lower legs pitching, oh, yeah. pitching with shin splints would be really not just difficult – but dangerous because the recoil that your legs absorb, you would think would lead other places. So to protect his elbow and shoulder, I'm sure they've, they shut him down. Is there, do you, have you heard anything about Will Klein and then we'll get to the hitters? Yeah, I think he's built up a, a little bit and I think he, um, he should be in Northwest Arkansas fairly soon um, pitching in games. And I think as a starter, but yeah, I mean, you, you said it like, the energy transfer moves from the ground to through the lower half and then transfers into the upper body and, and the arm, obviously. So messing with, with the potential energy in the lower half would not be, uh, would probably not be smart. So they, they similarly, I mean, Will Klein, I wrote it this off season, but with the work he did um, this off season in St. Louis and from some of the stuff I heard, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that within the system on the pitching side that I think a lot of people will be keeping their eye on if he stays healthy. But, yeah, should be should be back fairly soon. Let's move really quickly to some of the hitters. Uh, Nick Lofton, center fielder or not? <laughs> I haven't seen him in center field, um, but I did talk to a scout. I, I had a scout actually uh, ask me about, like, is he why is he playing there every day? Is that 
mean he can't. And I, I, I the reason I think is they, they just – this system has a hole in center field. I mean, they just – they don't have a center fielder for the future. Michael A. Taylor's under contract next year. His bat, uh, while it's, it, it's not great, given the run environment this year, it's actually been like somewhat close to average um, and that his defense is what it is. But beyond Michael A. Taylor, there's just not a center fielder in the system. And I think the Royals believe the makeup of Nick Lofton – and his athleticism gives him a shot um, out there. I, I, as much as we talk about Nick Lofton, um, I, 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 a lot, I've had a lot of scouts rave to me about Nate Eaton. Um, and I know, I mean, one guy was drafted where he was and another guy was drafted where he was. But, I mean, Nate Eaton, and you guys mentioned him a lot, but, but he get when, when I'm talking to people from opposing teams, his name gets brought up in terms of his arm, in terms of his range, in terms of, just how he plays. Um, so I'm shifting the conversation. But Nick Lofton, center field, I mean, if not him out there, then who for the future uh, beyond an acquisition or a trade piece? Well, when I saw him when I saw him a couple of weeks ago, because I got I went to one game in Frisco when Northwest Arkansas was down there, and he looks pretty good out there, honestly. Uh, it's not obviously the blazing speed or anything, but his baseball instinct is really what what does it. He's a good enough athlete to be able to go and run stuff down. It has a good feel for the ball in the air. So I'm, I don't know how it'll translate to a massive outfield at Kauffman Stadium, but I think the the baseball IQ combined with good enough athleticism, I think gives him a, a decent chance to stick. And they've obviously believed that he can, considering he started all spring in the backfield games in center field, and they haven't moved him out of center field all season. So they obviously believe that he could be that guy. Yeah, and Rusty Koontz, I remember in spring before um, the lockout ended, Rusty was raving about him and working with him, and Rusty worked closely with him. Um, but, yeah, and I'm laughing at myself because I was like, I haven't seen him out there. Even if I did, I'm not – I mean, I'm not the. I'm not an outfield evaluator. So it would uh, – it would probably just lean on, lean on scouts. But it, it will probably require more time and, and um, just to see how capable he is. But, again – that's just the hole, and they're trying to fill it. Part of me wonders, too, if they haven't looked at their overall infield and gone, okay, before the ACL, we had Mondesi, Lopez, Bobby, maybe Michael Massey is the second baseman of the future. Garcia. Maybe Nick maybe Nick Lofton's overall future is in the outfield somewhere. So let's put him in center field, and then if he can't handle it, we can, move, we can always move him to a corner off of that. I look at Nick Lofton, and I just – I don't see the raw speed it would take for him to play center field at Kauffman Stadium. But every time I say that, I get a text from somebody else, somebody new, saying I wouldn't count on that. And it's like, I don't know what I'm missing, but he may, he missed a play the other day where I'm watching it going, I don't know what we're doing here. But I also don't think it can do any harm. I mean, you run him out there, and if he's not good, then okay, so what? would Move him to left field as he as he moves to the system. Maybe he's the left fielder of the future when, when Ben Intendi is inevitably gone and Kyle Isbell's not your everyday left fielder because it doesn't seem like that's what they want from him. So, I don't know, maybe that's the case. But I think it's interesting, like Joel said, that they have not moved off of that yet. They're, they haven't even given him a day on the infield to rest. In fact, the one day off they gave him, the half day off they gave him was as a DH. So, I think it's interesting he's been playing center field. There's some interesting thoughts. I I don't know that I'm on board, but I don't think it can hurt either. Let's talk about that second tier of hitting prospects because a lot of them are right there in double-A. Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, like you mentioned, uh, Luca Tresh and Tyler Gentry are both down in high A, but you also have Robbie Glendening there in double-A, and I'm not completely sold that he's not a prospect of some sort yet. What do you think about this second tier? We can even include Daryl Collins in this list, by the way. What do you think about this second tier of guys? Because when the Royals were good, they brought up the young core and it's like, okay, that's it. And we're back to not having much of a farm system again. And it was like, you needed a Christian Cologne to come around. You needed Bubba Starling, Hunter Dozier to, to push through and be that other guy. And none of them made it this time around. Let's just say it's 2024. Everything has worked out wonderfully Prado's your starter. Pasquantino's a starter. Melendez is a starter. You have your core in place. There's a list of like five or six guys that I think could come through one of them, two of them, and be like big league regulars, like in some capacity. 
And I don't know, maybe I'm looking through royal colored glasses, but what do you think of this second tier of hitters? Question, what do I have to do to get you to name Michael Garcia? I Okay, I forgot to mention him. I think I mentioned him to you in the message. Is but, he in that tier or is he – I just I, – I can't – I'll tell you one thing. Is he not in the first tier? No, I think he's I think he's in whatever big tier. I, all I'm saying yes. is I hear I hear about this guy from a lot of people in rave reviews all the time. And I haven't probably watched him close enough, but defensively you hear about him, the play discipline, you hear about him, the instincts uh and just kind of the way he operates. I I'm telling you, I among all the guys we're we can we're about to talk about hitting wise and Michael Massey's been really really good. Um so, but I mean Michael Garcia from 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 people I I'm like this I I hear a lot about him and I think he's a guy I, I again like I don't know what the power potential is I don't know um, if he can hit enough to to be that like everyday impact guy but I think the floor is just so high from what I've I, I've heard from certain scouts given the defensive ability and the plate discipline. Um, I didn't mean to sidetrack you on Michael. No, it's Garcia. okay. I've got him for me. He's right behind. Lofton and Pasquatino and ahead of Massey and all the other guys we're talking about. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, it's where it, it sounds like, but you're right in terms of if, if the, the Nick Prado, the MJ Melendez, Vinny Pasquantino, if that group is there and then you have guys like Massey and Nate Eaton and um, Clay Dungan. And, and I mean, there, there's, there's a group of a lot of these guys who are, I think in scout verbiage, they would be, they would call them like utility types. Um, but I think some of these guys have, have, have abilities that, that could play every day. I mean, Michael Massey has just not stopped hitting. He just hasn't. Um, and I think it, it's a testament to, to the Royals hitting development department, kind of the way they have um, helped him along, Drew Saylor and, and Alex Zumba in that group. Um, I mean, in terms of, I, again, like I've had scouts rave to me about Nate Eaton. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what happens. I mean, I think that depth – as we're seeing right now with the Rose at the big league level, like you just have to have it. Um, and you have to have an abundance of it, of guys who could come up, uh, get their opportunity and see what happens and, and have the type of tools and skills and makeup to be able to make it happen. But it's, I think when you referenced the days of the past, it, it, it's, it is, I think it's really positive that they have a buffer of these guys. Now you've said it, like not all these guys are going to be everyday guys. It's just the reality of it. Um, but I think some of these guys have have abilities and, and skills that should translate every day. Um, and if, if the Royals aren't going to give them a shot, I think others might. So it's it's a plus. There's no doubt about it. So you, you mentioned Nate Eaton as a guy that, that other teams and other scouts have mentioned as a, a guy. Has there been anybody else that you have paid attention to this year or heard from other scouts and teams as – someone uh, maybe that kind of jumps off the page a little more that we don't talk about enough. I'm trying to think. Um, <clears throat> not off the top of my head, anything crazy uh, or anybody, anybody wild. I mean, you guys talked about Jose Quas and, and what he's done. I, 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 he's just, <laughs> it was awesome to tell that story in spring and um, it's just been cool to see him progress. Um, but in terms of other guys, not not a, a ton doesn't jump off the page. I mean, I think that high A group is is pretty interesting. Um, Gentry and, and and certain guys I, I haven't seen enough, haven't heard probably enough about. Um, I think there there are other guys at that level that that are intriguing and definitely will 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 get looks from from scouts and, and be on their list. But um, otherwise, no. I mean, I think. The Nate Eaton's, the Michael Garcia, those are the guys that Will Klein's, those are the guys that 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 come up often um, and have recently for me. Have there been any big surprises for you so far this season? And we can go back and include the big league level if you want. Let's let's stick with good surprises, guys. You are surprised have been better than maybe you expected because I think we are all surprised by how poorly Whit Merrifield is hitting. So let's stick with the positives. Has there been anybody who Maybe you had crossed off because I think the guy, for me, that that maybe I wasn't as sold on is Luca Tresh. And, you know, I knew the Royals obviously liked him for giving him what they gave him, but I just didn't see this, and he has surprised the hell out of me. I mean, he is raking right now. Again, he's striking out a little bit, but 
the bat has more impact than I ever would have given him credit for. So is there anybody who is surprising you in like a good way? Maybe you crossed them off. You didn't think as highly of them and you're like, okay, I, I apologize for thinking so poorly of you. This guy's awesome. Trying to think of good. I've got a bad in mind, which is probably no, tells let us, you everything. Here, no, go ahead. Throw it out there. Uh, no, I mean, Anthony Veneziano's start has kind of been puzzling to me. Um, and I, I talk to certain people about his delivery and just the interesting nature of it. It's just obviously it's a different look. Um, and I think to the point that it intrigues uh, the people who make this in. I mean, it intrigues people from other teams just because you're not seeing anything like that uh, often. But I think – I mean, I've, I've gone through video of a lot of these young pitchers um, in the minor leagues and just kind of looked closely and, and tried to just analyze. And, and the thing with Veneziano is just is it hasn't been locating. And then it, you could just see how frustrated and, and how much it's worn on him. And I think that probably hasn't – it's probably just exacerbated the situation. But I think his most recent outing was much, much better, better in terms of the control, and that's important. But um, – that, that's a guy that, that comes to mind. In terms of, um, I mean, really good, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, to hear, like, certain people talk about Nate Eaton the way they have um, has definitely caught my eye. I, I, I just keep going back to the pitching and just some of the, the, the guys struggling. I mean, you could go down – a lot of these minor league, I mean, Jackson Core surprise. It's just been a, it's an interesting run um, for him. Uh, I mean, even guys like Stephen Woods Jr., who they acquired and just hasn't. I mean, there was one point last year where I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw him throw like a 93 mile an hour cutter. Now I don't think he's even throwing that cutter. Not really sure that situation, um, but just certain stuff like that just kind of catches my eye. I mean, you go down some of the pitching statistics, pitcher statistics, it's a little – it's just kind of eye-opening. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't, it, it's, it's an interesting – I obviously don't follow it as closely, and I'm, I've just been so in tune to the big league guys. But I do hear and look often and try to keep in, keep in touch with all of it um, and talk to scouts on a daily basis about it. So it's, it's – uh, it's an interesting – it's it, I, I'm not I'm not still naming off guys, but – a um, lot, of, lot of different elements to what's going on. I mean, you mentioned Eric Pena, too, and just the swing and miss that's persisted. I think he's made some changes, but, I mean, the plate discipline type element, and we always wonder, I always wonder, like, how innate is that? How much can that be taught? How much is that approach versus visual eyesight? Type? It's, it's one of those questions that remains. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Daniel Vasquez play whenever that happens, shortstop from the DR. Um, heard a lot of good things about. So um, there are guys. It's it's an interesting system right now. There you go. Everybody who thinks Alec is a homer, I asked him to be positive, and he just rattled off five things that were negative about the system. So we can, we can kill the Alec Lewis is a homer sentiment right then and there. <laughs> I mean, right here on the RFR podcast, he cannot be a homer because – it's just what comes to mind. I, Nothing again, positive to say. It's, it's, I, I'm trying to be – it, it, I mean – How about Colin Snyder? Did you expect this from Colin Snyder? I didn't. I didn't buy I it. I did not. <laughs> um, No. I mean, no. I, can't, I would be absolutely lying. But I will tell you, after speaking with certain people at Vanderbilt, the, a couple staffers, pitching staffers, and hearing the level at which they spoke about pitching and the work that they, they spoke with Colin in terms of pitching – I was like, oh, okay, they're, they're noticing these data points that they are relaying to me that I can relate to other people. That is awesome. Um, and I think and, – and, I mean, you can't really – the numbers don't really lie. And his sinker – I mean, they would explain to me how different it was. I checked that with multiple pitching coaches around the country who are into the analytical sphere um, and, and, and really bought into it. And, yeah, I mean, he, he developed that slider with Vanderbilt – working on with some technology that they have down there. And um, I guess that's, that's the byproduct of that. He's been, he's been unbelievably good. He's, and he's just like in the clubhouse, the, the funny thing about Collins, like never says a word, rock solid, just a guy. And he's just goes out there in the most important situations and he's going to get you a ground ball every time. And I think the teammates love him for that. So cool deal. I would have never predicted it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. Not possible. All right, Joel, you got any final questions for Alec? 
I, I got one final one, and we're going to have some fun here, as we always do with the final question on this show. You've been on enough. You don't, you don't get to answer the baseball history question. We get to go. We're going a little off the board. What is your go-to karaoke song? If you don't have one or are not a karaoke guy, how many cocktails would it take you to get up there on stage and sing something? Yeah, that's good, Joel. That is good. Um, I'm not like I would never be just your normal karaoke. I'm not. I don't have that kind of confidence in myself. Six drinks in, maybe that's too many. Four, maybe I'm drinking too much. Four drinks in, uh, you'd get me up there. And I, I've been on a country kick lately, but I'll listen to anything like rap, anything, but um, some kind of country. I don't know. I was listening. What kind to, of country? Um, I was listening today. I was I was listening to like just a bunch of. I, I I could get myself in trouble with an observation here, but um, I'll keep it. I was listening to the song "Blue Tacoma" by Russell Dickerson today. That was the song I listened. That's to. not that's not country. That is Nashville. There's a difference. That's okay. So this is where I was gonna say I was gonna get in get in trouble. Like I like Florida Georgia Line. Oh no, no, yeah, that's that's how so, I am. So yeah, that's what I, I, I like. Can separate the two. Like I can okay. appreciate music that comes out of Nashville, Tennessee. And think okay. it's good music and like fun to listen to, but it's not country. And Alex That's agrees fine. with me on this. That's fine. You guys, it, it's okay. I like it, it again. This is why I should have probably given you a rap. I, I give you some Jay Z something, but no, I, I, uh, I, did, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to slander you there too much, buddy. No, guy. it's okay. It's ha- been happening a lot lately, apparently. <laughs> this guy's from Alabama. Don't forget that. <laughs> All right. Rapid five, and then we'll get you out of here. You ready? All right. Please go easy on me. How many Mizzou football games will you attend this fall? Uh, I might attend Columbia and drink a lot and then not attend the game, but that would probably be, I don't know, maybe two or three, maybe. Over under 749 and a half yards for Luther Burden as a freshman. <laughs> uh, this guy better go over with how, how much I hear about him. I've got friends who love that program, who love this guy. I mean, he better go over or else it's, I'm just going to be like, what are we doing? Um, over. Over under six and a half wins for the Mizzou football team. They better go over with that too. They better. It's been, I mean, a lot of talk, a lot of recruiting. Let's get there. Over. Rank these three shows. Breaking Bad, Yellowstone, Ozark. This is, you put me in a pot. I haven't seen any of the shows. You, you crush me. <laughs> you crush me on that. I watch shows, but I haven't seen any of those three. What I are your three favorite them. shows you've seen recently? Uh, recently, I, I, I watched Ish. Drive to Survive on Netflix. Okay. F1 show. I'm all in. Um, I'm watching We Own This City. It's like the Wire ish sequel mm-hmm. on HBO. Um. Gosh, what else have I seen recently? Um, I've been watching a lot of Royals baseball, let me tell you. Um, I don't know. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes of Winning Time. Pretty okay. good. Um, but, yeah, the fact that I haven't seen the three you mentioned, you're probably like, this guy's a maniac. And I am. But, yeah. Over under 97 and a half losses for the Royals this year. <laughs> it's under. Under 97 and a half. So you are not hitting the panic button yet. The is the panic button ninety. I mean, the panic to me. Dude, they're on pace for hundred and six. Oh yeah, I know. I know it's been it's rough. Uh, the panic button. I don't know. I, the, I'm hitting the panic button. Yeah, the panic button is ringing in my ears. Um, I don't know. I guess ninety seven is is that's a lot. I, I don't know. I just to me, if they lose like ninety five, it's gonna be like holy cow. But yeah. Um, they're on pace for 106, apparently. Oof, I mean, they're on pace for 106, and they are 20 times four, seven, a seventh of the way in. Like the the progression they would have 16. to make. The, the progression they'd have to make is like, like a, like significant progression through the yeah, rest of the season. But at least I mean, they're not losing to teams like Baltimore. That, uh, What's going to happen when they go to Texas this week? I mean, Texas isn't exactly good. But... They've been pretty good recently, actually. What's going to happen? Um, I, I would make a prediction, but it, would, it, it wouldn't be very bold. So, anyway. Yeah, I don't there's... know. 90, 97 is – 97 – oh, that doesn't hit the ears good. Wow. I mean, honestly, if, I gave you, if I gave you a free $1,000 bet in Vegas, 
and the over under was I'll, I'll give you 92 and a half. That's 70 wins. 70 That's more 92. Like are you are you taking the under on 92 and a half losses? Do you think they can get to 70 wins? Like for sure? Free bet. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I... I ain't making that free bet. No. So I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Is I I'm looking at it, going, they're gonna get better, but I don't know how much better, and what's going to stop them from having other seven and nineteen runs like this. I mean, what is what is the? Or is, are they nine and seventeen? Nine and seventeen. They're nine. They're and 17. nine. What's gonna yeah. stop them from having more runs like this? What is the clear answer for that? Yeah, I don't have that answer so, for you. No. I'm looking yeah. At it like. This yeah. this is gonna get like seriously you said like they're gonna, you said they're gonna get better, but how much better do they have to be to avoid losing ninety games again? Like a lot, like significantly. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. don't know. Like I am the last guy to hit the panic button because I said this year doesn't matter. Let the kids play. They're not even doing that. They can't even have fun while they lose. We got to watch Ryan O'Hearn lose. Like that's the thing with me. If you're gonna lose, lose young because the. We, we don't have to go there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you just cut uh, yourself. <laughs> no, you, you've been on here for 40 minutes. I don't want to make it another 40 because it could it could go there. Yep. So, anyway, Alec, thank you. I know you're busy. I know the Royals are making it hard for you to write about things because they are not only bad, but they're not fun. This isn't even a fun, bad team to watch. Like the 2012 Royals, not a great team, but they were fun to watch because they had kids all over the place. So, I cannot imagine – like, that's the hedge for writing about the minors is I got four teams I can write about all the time. Like, I got four teams to pick from, and you've got Uno. we got one. So, um, Godspeed. Yeah, if you have you. any ideas on stories, just find me on Twitter. Send me a DM. I'll need about 1,700 to get through this year. So, just whatever you got. Um, yeah, all, all ears. But, no, I I appreciate you guys having me. I it's It's been an interesting first 26 games. Uh, they play, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, they play tonight. We'll see what happens. I'll be in Texas living it up. It's going to be hot. It's going to be real hot. Scorcher. Are they're, they, they're inside, they're inside the, that stadium that looks like a Menards. So yeah. <laughs> Do you have I'm a excited. favorite spot to eat in Dallas? Um, I went, when I was there last, this spring, I went to Terry Black. Actually, there are two barbecue. I went to barbecue back to back days. Uh, I went to Terry Black's, ridiculously uh-huh. good. Uh-huh. Then went to a place called Hard Eight. Uh, yep. those are my two. That was that was also it was special. Um, so yeah, I I I I, I mean I don't know. You can you find me at I'll be eating a taco somewhere. I don't know. It's I, I'm gonna have a good time in Texas. I don't know. There's a uh, there's a Mexican restaurant. I can't remember the name of it right now. I've got it on my phone. I will find it and I will send it to you because it is unbelievable. But Texas right. or um, uh, Terry Black's is also some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Like it was great. It's, it's different than Kansas city, but it's, Oh my God. So, all right, great. man. Thank you no, very thank much you. for your time. I appreciate thank, you. Thank you guys. Respect what you guys do as always, but no, thank you. Thank you guys. All right. That was Alec Lewis. We will be right back on the other side of this. All right. Big thanks to Alec Lewis of the athletic for coming on. Um, that was, that was great stuff. It's always, yeah. You know, it's always great to talk to people who are more connected than we are, just to just to bounce ideas off of Alec and say, "Hey, Alec, what are you what are you hearing about this, or what do you think about that?" And you know, the connections that he has and the relationships that he's built, just to to be able to bounce ideas off somebody like that is, is always awesome. And you know, I love Alec, and he does he does great work, and we give him crap about the Homer jokes, but the 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 reality of it is is that there are things to be excited about and there's reasons to to like the royals and want to be positive and then they we mentioned it joel on one royal way last week it's just they do so many little things to piss you off that are make it hard to pay attention to the positives like stop shooting yourself in the foot make the obvious moves to get the kids in to let the kids play hashtag kids let the kids play and nobody will be mad at you anymore. All you have to do are the obvious little things, and people will relax, but they just refuse. And so here we are. Yeah, no, we always appreciate how, having Alec on. He's always gracious with his time, which is really appreciated. And 
offers in some insight and I've, it's been really cool to watch him kind of grow on the job. Like when he talked about this a little bit off air that he was 22 fresh out of college, never covered baseball and got a job covering a major league baseball team. That's a really cool opportunity. And, you know, a couple of years later, I mean, he's really coming into his own, his own, like in his craft, his stories are great. The insight is great. And he does a really good job covering our team. Yeah. He's awesome, man. Um, now that he's not here, I can blow more smoke up him because he's yeah. actually very, very good at his job. He has stopped listening by this point. When if, if he decides to run that back at all, he has stopped listening. So we are not actually talking to Alec anymore. Um, but anyway, so let's do this. Let's um, let's get into a, a quick little preview of the week for the big league club because I think they're they're coming up on what might be a a weekend where things could shift. Excuse me. And so I want to talk about it really quick with you, Joel. They're in Texas for three, then they're in Colorado for three. Can they win three of these games? Will they win three of these games? Okay, can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. Um, te- you know, playing in Texas, it, it is a super coin flip winning in Texas, especially with the way the pitching has been. It's been solid and fine, but Colorado, we think, you know, even with a dead and ball, the ball is going to fly. So I just, I don't know. This team is so confounding and puzzling game to game. I honestly have no idea. And that's coming from somebody that I do a podcast specifically about the big league club and week to week, like I have no idea what we're going to see. We watch a team go out and play their best game of the year against the Cardinals last Tuesday and then play their worst, one of their worst games of the year the next day. So who knows? Big old shrug emoji. So, the good thing they have going for them is that Brad Keller will throw two of those six games and you'll get Granky in one. So let's say you win two of those games, two of the three thrown by Granky and Keller means you got to win one of the other four, one of the other three. So I don't know if they go two and four on this stretch, they will be 11 and 30. No, I'm sorry. 11 and 21. I don't know how I got 30. They'll be 11 and 21, 10 games under 500, I can start to see the ball rolling toward change, not huge change. But if they go two and four and Ryan O'Hearn has a bad week and Carlos Santana doesn't return, I could see Vinny Pasquantino joining them for the home stretch next Monday. I, I think we're getting pretty close to that. I know. And generally, I, like I said, you and I are pretty big Dayton Moore supporters. And he has talked about many times that he doesn't want to make any rash changes before 40 games. And to a certain point, I get it. Like the the process of that thinking, I understand, because you don't want to overreact too heavily to generally 40 games. is a, 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 It's a decent sample, but not a big enough one, right? But when things have gone south so fast, so early, like you have to make that change before 40. If you really want to turn things around, you want to try and win some ball games down the, you know, as you head into June. So I, I hope that change comes sooner rather than later, because I don't want it to be too late to where you can't even try to turn things around and give you any sort of hope going into 23. I agree. Um, let's get into the final thoughts. We can talk more about this later this week on one Royal way. If you want to um, let's get into some final thoughts on the night, Joel, final thoughts. Okay. So my, my final thoughts, if you're watching on YouTube, this will be a little more of a visual thing. So great audio platform work by me, but this past weekend, my wife and my mother-in-law went around uh, like antique shopping stuff. There was some like craft sale kind of in Bonner Springs right by where we live. My mother-in-law found these old uh, packs of baseball cards and I've started getting back into collecting them a little bit and they're unopened packs from 1989 and 1991, completely unopened, see like full seal, everything. And I got this really cool Bo Jackson card rifleman. This was kind of talking about the, the iconic video of him throwing that ball about, I don't know, 130 miles an hour from the outfield to first base. So that to be able to open that pack, have a Bo Jackson was cool. And then this is my favorite one. It is a Randy Johnson rookie from when he was with the Expos before he even got to Seattle. So that have these in my collection is, is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I am not a baseball card guy, but I am a memorabilia guy. Like, I wonder if I can No, there's, there's a mess in my basement right now. Cause our nine month old is, keeps growing out of clothes and toys and it's just a disaster, but you can see Tony G and if I move, you can see the Alex Gordon autograph on the wall behind me. I've got a Mizzou Brad Smith Jersey sign. What a guy. What a, what a from, legend. 
when I was like eight. My dad had Brad Smith sign it and it says to future Tiger Alex. And I was like, you know, I end up at UCM, so I'm sure he's very disappointed in me now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I collect memorabilia of some kinds, not just not baseball cards, so to speak. So um, my final thought on the night is our draft coverage is going to start ramping up here at Royals Farm Report. The college hitters in this draft are really good, but I'm starting to hear that maybe there could be some prep guys that we haven't been paying enough attention to that could jump in here. I'm starting to think that nobody knows nothing when it comes to this draft, and it could be one of the wilder drafts we've seen in a while. And I also say that with the caveat that they underslotted Mazzucato at number seven last year. So that ended up being wild. I think this year could be sort of similar because I don't know what they're going to do. There's a ton of college bats I like. There's a bunch of prep bats I like. In theory, they should be able to get one. But if they took Andrew Dukanich from Indiana, I, I would it surprise you. He works out with Will Klein or at – with coach vote in the off season here, he did before coach vote got a pro job. So um, anyway, I think there's a lot of possibilities. So pay attention to the website for draft coverage, start to ramping up a little bit. Our draft guide will be back this year. Our draft guide will be out early July. So you'll have a couple weeks to get familiar with the draft guide before the MLB draft. And then hopefully fingers crossed, we'll have a live draft show again. Last year, Joel came over to the house and we did a, periscope alive on twitter basically of our reaction to the draft but this year hopefully we'll have a draft show of sorts uh covering the first two rounds so stick with us draft coverage will be ramping up and things will be heating up over at royals farm report very soon until then thank you very much to kcsn kcsc drum farm thank you you joel thank you to alec lewis of the athletic and everybody else who's made this possible we will see you guys again very soon so long This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.